going more for you know progress over perfection is is in the end something that shakes loose organization. Does it make the car go fast? Welcome to this special episode of the Ball.com Tech Lab podcast. In this podcast, we share our experience with you, speaking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at Ball.com, showing you our approach to IT, e-commerce, and retail platforms. We are looking into the things that we are enthusiastic about that are happening here. As always, we have a bunch of ideas to share in this series. This is how we do IT. I'm hosting the show together with Peter Brouwers. My name is Peter Paul van der Beek. We both performed in several roles in IT here at Ball.com. With that background and all the experience that came with it, we're really looking forward to share insights and learnings with you. And why is this a special episode? Because we invited two external guests over in our studio. Recently, they were here at Ball.com to launch their latest book with a great presentation. The subject of the book, How to Accelerate Your Organization, is closely related to many subjects we talk about in our podcast series. For instance, agile at scale and speeding up by testing. So time to ask our guests of today to help reflect on this by the story of their book. Yeah, and who are our guests? Well, we have uh, Jurian Kramer, he's partner at The Ready, focusing on uh, organization design and transformation. Uh, and he, of course, he's a speaker and an author because he wrote a book, yeah. not one. Uh, and then we have Rini van Sollingen, a professor in uh, global software engineering, a CTO at ProWareness, and expert in speed and agility of people and organizations, and also a speaker and author. Yep. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, first of all, uh, congratulations with the launch of your new book. I thought it was quite successful, the launch, right? Yeah, I don't think we can complain. That was cool. The <laughs> uh, fun to do. I mean, you know, uh, you don't uh, publish a book every day, so when it's there, it's good to have a small party. It was yeah. good that we could do it here at Ball. Cool, cool. And for our uh, non-Dutch listeners, uh, when's the English translation available? Um, hopefully in stores this year. Um, translation has, is fully done. It's edited and stuff. Uh, currently working on uh, a publishing deal. Cool. Um, lo- working on pre-orders. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident it will be somewhere this year. Yeah, so right in time for the holiday season. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> but if people are very urgent to have one, they can always get in touch and we can send a single copy or something. But for the full publishing deal, we have to wait uh, a couple of months. Okay, cool. Okay, so yeah, let's dive into the book because that's uh, what we're here for. Um, the book is called Formula X. Without spoiling too much, what is the book about? Jurian. Yeah, it's um, uh, the, the subtitle of the book is uh, How to Reach Extreme Acceleration in Your Organization. And um, it's a it's written as a novel as a story, um, and you follow the um, the managing director of a of a of a kitchen uh, kitchen company, who's trying to make his organization faster and better. Um, and at first, he tries that to do that to that a very traditional way, um, hiring a bunch of consultants, implementing a framework, uh, but that doesn't give him the the kind of acceleration that he needs. Um, and you know, I won't spoil too much, but in, at one point, he'll be able to go behind the scenes of Formula One team. And uh, and see how how they operate, how they organize from the inside, and through those insights, he'll he'll be able to manage uh, or hopefully manage to to improve his organization. So, in summary, the book the book is a is a story to 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 learn uh, and to see how you can actually implement uh, more speed in your organization uh, and how to actually manage a, a cultural change. Yeah, yeah, we kept it in the story because it's easy to read. Also, uh, in the summer next to the pool and stuff like that. 
But let's say all the lessons learned and the principles are hidden inside the story. And for that, we have summarized the content in part two of the book. So people that, uh, that don't like these, these novelish story, they can skip the, bi- the first part of the book and then dive into the content immediately at the end in part two. So that's so, what you so call the, the model, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it, to be clarify, it's not the second edition of the book. It's towards the end, the last chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The book is yeah. divided yeah. in two. You have part yeah. one, the story, right. and part two, the model. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So actually, you learned from earlier uh, novels you you had uh, in which you combined it, and you now said, okay, it's a separate uh, separate part. If you talk about uh, the, the power of Scrum, I think it was uh, in the in the novel you had to. To think for yourself, and now you, you yeah, also yeah, split yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, I can tell you maybe very short how it came that we did it, done it. I was separated. I once made a made a short summary in one of my books, and they the the publisher made a production problem, so they they put the content on the wrong spot in in the book they published, in, in a few copies. So somebody called me said, "Oh, it's very good that you now published the book where the theory is presented separately at the <laughs> beginning of the book." I said. How come? I n- n- because it's <laughs> supposed to be in the end. <laughs> so that yeah. that way we've we've learned uh, how to how to do this. But it was more an accident than it was on, on purpose. But but it works. But a nice experiment and exactly. uh, give some data on uh, feedback. <laughs> Things work. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So but it's a uh, uh, it's it's a combination of this this kitchen company and uh, Formula One, right. uh, which you uh, refer to. How do you get to this idea? What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how did it pop up? When did it pop up? And how does that work, such a process? Right. Well, um, Rini and I know each other from 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 our work in Agile and uh, meeting each other at conferences and stuff. And um, Rini at one point approached me with the idea that he wanted to write a book about speed. And um, uh, already for, for a few years now, I've been doing public speeches about insights from Formula One. So it was a really, really good combination to kind of do this together. Um, and we, we decided to use... Uh, a, a kitchen manufacturer as a as a as an example because it's it's simple enough to understand um, but also big enough to be um, relevant for people in organizations. So you have different departments that are working together or working against each other. Uh, you have a large number of people working for you, and, and you know you can some and, and also on top of that, most of you all, uh, most of the readers have in the past bought a kitchen or refurbished a kitchen, so they know what it's like from the customer experience also uh, and how, you know, very often it's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of lots to improve in that in- industry. So we thought it was a good example. And also we're, you know, I think a lot of kitchen companies will now not hire us <laughs> because we <laughs> kind of, <laughs> you know, we're pretty, we're pre- it's pretty bad. Um, but but that's fine with us. We have other customers. <laughs> to, to be honest, it's still on top of my wish list now that we get hired at a yearly event of a kitchen company, mm. and then they, they will buy tomatoes, and then we can do can do our speech. Oh, <laughs> uh, right. it would be, I would it would be great. Be but no, no, one thing I think for the for the kitchen company, I think also if you do a novelish story, you want the readers to be able to how do you call it align with the main person. Yeah, you have to understand the, yeah. the concept. So you have relate to find to, yeah. you have to find something where they can relate to. And I think to a kitchen. Everybody can relate to that. In one of my yeah. previous books, we did supermarkets. Because everybody... So you, you need to find something where people can can relate to very easily and understand what's happening over there and from tra- and translating it from there to their own environment. Because if you would take a real company and you go really into the specialized and it becomes too too large to explain all the details. And the kitchen is simple enough uh, to do. Yeah, and also, you know, very often when we when we use examples from other companies like like Spotify, for example... 
people say, well, that's great that it works at that company, but it will never work for me. Um, so that's why it's so important to find an example that is that is really something different, but also you know similar enough for people to kind of identify with. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the main character in the story gets the challenge to deliver kitchens within two weeks. So people sign and then have to deliver in two weeks, and that's not the practice they have. Nope. None, n- n- neither do their competitors. And then he starts to find his way out of delivering within two, within two weeks. So the only risk is now that all these, these kitchen companies start to uh, stalk us because we are promising to deliver kitchens in two <laughs> weeks uh, <laughs> and they have all the hassle. But if we only achieve that, I think we made a big improvement <laughs> to yeah. the world. Absolutely. We can show it, yeah. Especially to the, the part of the world that needs a new kitchen. <laughs> right. And once it in speedy, uh, qualitative high fa- high fashion because that's yeah. also something uh, no, but, but I think I, I think if you, you you need to be fair in a, in a way I mean how long does it take uh, to produce and, and install a kitchen if you look at just the labor and of course you can you can do it very slowly you can do it fast but I think it's it's a week work maybe one and a half weeks but not more so it's really confusing for me as, as, a, as a consumer why this has to take 16 weeks mm-hmm so th- there has to be, and of course there are reasons and 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 stuff, sure. and maybe two weeks is is not feasible, but sixteen weeks is the other extreme where I think you know there's there's inefficiency, ineffectiveness over there. Let's take it out because if you want to, if you buy a kitchen, you don't want to wait for sixteen weeks. I mean, a lot of lot of that time is 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 going to be waiting. People from one department waiting on another department, handovers, going back and forth, misunderstanding what the order was. Um, you know all those things you can you can take out if you organize it differently. Yeah, yeah. What I what I really liked about the uh, for for me it was an eye opener uh, again to to see okay we are building organizations uh, processes based on the idea of the uh, going back to the to the sixties where we uh, think like a, f- a fabric where you're. Oh, Tailorism, basically, yeah, where yeah. we do, where we focus on efficiency mm. of the process. Yeah, well, yeah. well, efficiency isn't the real. Thing. Anymore, and that, that's exactly the, the 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 same thing when you first read the book you realize okay uh, when you try to do it in two weeks you come up with with all the yes but things mm-hmm. and every every time you realize it for yourself that that is related to efficiency thinking it, yeah it's it starts you thinking again uh, what what can we do differently mm-hmm. right yeah yeah and what I really liked about the book was the the the, the, the metaphor with Formula One that they are asking every time the question okay does this make our car faster. Right. Yes, you can do it. No, you can. Um, how do you translate this into organizations that are struggling? And and are there really good examples already? Um, yeah, Vinny's looking at me. I think um, I th- I'd love to take this, and maybe you can add whatever you think is is true too. Um, I, I, so, what is super important with with all of the organizations we work with is to create clarity about what is the purpose, right? What's the meaning of what we're trying to do here? Very often, that is not so clear. Very often, you, if you work in a department, it's very difficult to relate your day-to-day work to, to the bigger picture, to what the organization as a whole is trying to achieve. And creating clarity on that level is super important. So a question like, um, does it make the car go faster, is a kind of a, this, a filter for decision-making. And if everybody in an organization knows that that is, in the end, what we're trying to achieve, you also create speed because... You know, people no longer have to be uncertain or ask for approval or go to a committee. Uh, they can decide for themselves. Well, actually, if this is the criteria, then I can decide this is the right thing to do. Um, as an, I mean, as an example, uh, there, there's 
uh, the, you know, in the work we do as well, it's important to create some kind of North Star metric, right? So, so yeah. understanding what's the value proposition that we're providing to customers and what is a way to measure that. And can we find uh, some kind of metric um, that we can, you know, build a question around that we can make transparent within the organization so people can align their work towards that. Um, and, um, you know, for Spotify, for example, um, they, they have the, the question, um, you know, the, the metric, the North Star metric for them is time spent by subscribers listening to music. I mean, that's a, that's a simple thing to, to measure. And um, they don't directly measure uh, money or margin or profit. Uh, that's a result of improving that metric. So they've built a, you know, value creation model around that. Uh, but in the end, I mean, it's not so much about the measurement in my in my in my opinion. It's more about in creating this inspiring question or inspiring goal that everybody can understand that that's actually the meaning of what we're doing here. And that's so simple that a anyone, right. based on one question or a limited yeah. set of things, make the decision for himself or herself yeah. what to do in the situation. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, uh, does it make the car go faster? Sounds like a simple question. And then many people in other organizations say, yeah, but for us, it's not so easy to formulate mm. that question. Well, if that's the case, then that's your problem. Then mm -hmm. you've complicated. Because in the day-to-day decision-making of your employees, they have to know when they're successful or not. Sure. And, and, and so I think in the, the general rights of human beings in the workplace, something called the definition of success. Everybody has to have the right to be successful, but you can only be successful if you know what success is. You mm. need a definition of, of success. And, and, you know, we've done hundreds of transformations to agile ways of working in companies. And one of the central thing is that we then put power and responsibility to people that do the work. And I think that's a great thing to go faster, to get more autonomy, responsibility, uh, ownership, etc. But if I go after these transformations to these companies and I ask to a team, what is your definition of success? When are you successful? Over 50% of the teams will answer, yeah, our definition of success is the amount of work that we take from the product backlog and bring to done within two weeks. Yeah. Well, that's not something that makes me stand up in the morning and go fully energized to work. So although these things are good, they're trans transforming these organizations to agile organizations, it doesn't automatically mean that people know where they're here for. And I think the next step in there should be a definition of success. And if you can do this, <coughs> sorry, with, with a North Star metric or with a simple question like, does it make the car go faster? But I, I think in general, if you're in a self-managing team or in an agile organization, everybody has the right to have this question. And if you don't know the question like, does it make the car go, go faster? Or if you don't mm -hmm. know the definition of success, something to work on because you can, I think you can double your speed and the effectiveness of your team by just knowing exactly that. What mm -hmm. I also saw is in the book, also the, all the information is basically available to whoever wants it in the, in the racing team and it's the, the kitchen uh, company also goes that way basically. Right. And that's also uh, a factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it doesn't mean, I mean, yes, it's, it's transparent and it's open to everybody, yeah. but it doesn't mean that the, the mechanics on the car know exactly how many visitors there are in the VIP lounge. No, they but they can know, know the it. They if they want it, they need it, they can access it, but it's not this information overload where we, no, no, right, no, no, where no, we no, put all the data to all the people. No, but they know more. They, they can also uh, check the context that's relevant right. uh, relevant for them. So they don't, don't have to know it all. Yeah. They know the, the context in which they make the decision also to look at. Traditionally, you know, when we have a hierarchy, 
the, 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 the most detailed information is, to, is known by the persons that make the decision makers. So that are the directors, the board of directors, uh, because they take the decisions. If we put this decision making down to the level where the work is being done, it makes you go faster, but it also means that that information needs to be there available mm -hmm. as well. And that's a major step mm -hmm. because in most organizations, the hierarchical ones, we keep that secret from the workforce. So we keep the, 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 the big information, the, really the decision-making information secret from the workforce. So besides that it just sounds simple, make, be transparent, be open, give the information to everybody, it's in the guts of existing organizations. Also, there's something that makes them really afraid. They're mm -hmm. not used to it and stuff. Yeah. So that's mm -hmm. such a, why such a simple thing can be much bigger than you realize it. Yeah, and I think I think one of the root causes behind that is indeed the traditional mindset where, you know, if if management needs to make the decisions, then we shouldn't distract our employees too much with too much information, right? So 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 let's not give them all the information because that would you know that would confuse them. That's the mm -hmm. old mindset. We cannot yeah. trust these people to do the right thing, which is, we are the ones to make the decisions. So you know we shouldn't distract them too much. And this is like like Rini said shifting completely yeah yeah but before you know it if you start to do this then the question comes why do we need this hierarchy anyway mm. because if we don't need it need it anymore for the daily decision making if we don't need to have it for the customers if we don't need it to be successful why do we need it true a valid question i guess yeah yeah, we're, we're talking to two managers here in the podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, be, be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we should be very careful. When you read the book uh, and you talk about the number of changes a Formula One team does mm. every two weeks for a race, when Amazing. you start thinking about it, it's, it's 700 over 1,000. So it really depends on the numbers and the team, of course. But yeah. that's amazing. So you can imagine that... Uh, the, the team uh, boss never ch uh, says okay to, to all the changes. So no. yeah, there has to be this. Uh, this it's way impossible. Of yeah. It's impossible for him to know all the details. You know, yeah. he has to trust the team he built, and he has to be humble, right? In the sense that you know, I've I've hired these amazing engineers. They're they're much more capable of doing this than I am. The only thing I can do is support them in their work. You know, I, I cannot be the, the the expert here. I cannot be the the boss telling telling the right things. There's obviously exceptions, right? People like I don't know Elon Musk is still scientifically uh, up to speed and but you know there's limits to that and there's only a few people that are that would be really capable of you know being as good as the thousand people they hired that's impossible yeah. yeah what i also liked about the book is the the explanation of the way the the, the formula team uh, teams work uh, in in the fabric but also on uh, uh, during race day mm -hmm. a, a combination of roles instead of specific functions um yeah when i I met uh, Rini last November. Uh, we talked about, uh, I started talking about, well, business and IT. And Rini said uh, directly to me, well, stop thinking uh, and, 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 and say it like that. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, you should talk about combination. What advice can you give for companies like Bold.com uh, when you talk about business and IT? And it's a big uh, question. Uh, but the, 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 the advice thing is, is the thing. The second question, number one, is that the, the term business is invented by IT people. And that's the label for <laughs> not us. They never call themselves business. <laughs> and it, yeah, no, yeah. So we are IT. Sometimes, sometimes actually business analysts call the actually customers of what's produced the business. Exactly. Right, right. So it's a terminology we've introduced ourselves. And it's even worse now that I come into companies where people from sales or people from marketing or customer uh, support will, will tell me I'm from business. Because they have taken over the, the vocabulary of the IT people. And I yeah. think that's... 
<coughs> I'm sorry. I think that that's not the idea what we want. I mean, you want to serve your customers and whatever competence you need. IT is just a competence, just as sales, marketing, customer mm -hmm. support, and, and, and production and stuff like that. Logistics are competences. Uh, if you would then ask uh, from a ball.com perspective, what could you do? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm not an expert in your organization. You know yourself probably better what your customers want and where the biggest challenges uh, challenges are. Uh, but I'm a customer too at, 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 at ball.com. So in that sense, um, for me, it would be something I, I, I would be really interested in is, for example, or maybe it's a better example, as, a, as an author, I'm very interested uh, how my books are sold. And there is on, on the website a way to see how well they are sold, but you but you 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 put all the the books on the same stack, which means that I will compete with school books. Yeah. So if I look to in the management, it's not the season for you then. If, <laughs> I, if I look into the management books, I think the number one, two, three, or five, those those are sold because students order them for their education, and for that I'm not really seeing how well my book is it is running. So that's let's say thinking for your customer. Maybe an author is a customer, or, or I don't really really think that those are small things where you where you could improve. So just the thing of looking at user stories from a user yeah. perspective and 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 the the different personas that are there, I think they are able to to do. But just keep talking to 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 the outside world, to your customers. Try out some big ideas, and I mean you 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 manage your company pretty well, so you don't don't need my advice. I also I also think in general what what we see happen very often is business and IT is integrating more and more tightly, mm -hmm. right? Um, we we help customers build cross-functional teams where where the business is no longer the business. We just have uh, a team that does and solves this problem, and part of that team are IT people. Mm -hmm. And you see that integration getting tighter and tighter, and uh, you know that's that's what is necessary. We have to remove the handover moment between business and IT. Instead, we also can leverage IT people to think what is the possible solutions to this problem. Very often, the solution has been already invented by the business by doing market research or whatever. And then the only thing IT just has to do is just build this feature. Well, that frustrates engineers, I think, uh, more and more because they are, you know, also capable problem solvers. They are able to, to think from a, you know, from a customer perspective, business perspective, financial perspective more and more. So, you know, I think that is the shift that's already happening very often. Yeah, and also I think more and more people are IT people already while they don't call themselves IT people. If you work at corporate communications, what are you doing? Well, you're programming press messages. You're programming the websites. Yeah. You're programming marketing campaigns. You're programming salary. Uh, so, I mean, we work with IT systems anyway. Yeah. And when, once we are entering data, we are configuring them, we are... We're building them, engineering, test, whatever we do, that's IT work. So I think in an information-driven, data-driven society, everybody is IT. So let's stop calling it and start looking to the value we deliver to our customers. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and look at the, the, the way that, that people in general make in Excel to improve their way. And sometimes just the way to get the data in there and out of there is, well, not the, the, the most nice yeah. approach, but... They're doing it already. Uh, there. Making, yeah, but, and exactly. how can we make this a more fluid, uh, more exactly. integrated way of working? I mean, ma ma making an Excel spreadsheet is programming too. True. Just as programming <laughs> an email. Writing emails, programming as well. Uh, yeah. And once you start looking at that, then you think, oh, why, why should we separate business and IT? I mean, it's, it's integrated function to our customers. What do they need? And I think that's where the next stage lies. Maybe also bold.com. Maybe you can tell us. Yeah. More of a realization of that and then uh, move forward, yes. 
Oké, okay, yeah, um, I think that, that, that you see that in the, one of the previous podcasts was about agile as skill and how we're uh, using a more product way of thinking to more integrate um, uh, this, this way of thinking. And I think for us, that's also a next step and it could also be um, for others. One of the struggles, uh, what, I, what I see there, for at least for my own teams, is that some teams like uh, condition management, I can really, and, and contract management, I can see how they... Uh, relate to our uh, to our purpose to our to our goal mm -hmm. for the team that handles all data coming in from suppliers and from authors and and handling this data and make sure that's all right they're like in another tier um, and uh, don't at least don't feel as close mm. to customers and to translate that to to customer value I, sometimes a tricky one at least in my in my yeah, experience yeah. I think you know in, in that's one of the biggest challenges anyway for the coming decades. I mean, if you, you and now I'm, let's be a little bit the professor, huh? we have the, the Tracy and Wiersman model about uh, product leadership, operational yep. excellence, and customer yep. intimacy. And when everything starts to become digital, customer intimacy is something we have to discover. How can you be intimate uh, with a customer? How can you really build an intense relation? Well, there is no personal, individual, human interaction. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, and looking at bold.com, I think operational excellence you you probably will need in your, your your warehouse and stuff but not towards your customers True. and product leadership is something typical you would see with with a car manufacturing but also not with bold.com so the challenge is for you if you say well we're thinking in products that's fine but products that lead to customer intimacy that leads to a higher nps and before you know it you will deliver the best product as a company but your customers don't feel tied to you anymore and i think mm -hmm. it's much more important that we start discovering ways to make bonds with our customers while the interaction itself is is, is digital and, and i don't have the answers there as well eh? but i think you know if you start to solve that puzzle it becomes easier let's see how that work, works yeah. out interesting okay going back to the to the book you you came up with this uh, your own model it's called in dutch for snell so in english in faster. English, it would uh, translate into uh, accelerate, but you made it uh, uh, go faster. Mm -hmm. uh, really, uh, really great. We will uh, take the, the link to the model uh, in, the, in the show notes. Uh, what part of the um, of this model is most important for you to, to focus on to start with? What uh, what do you see in? Uh, mm. Well, that's in that's a. I don't think there's an order to things. There's you know six different dimensions for every letter in faster. We we've had it. Um, uh, we've added a, a part of our model. So the F stands for focus and clarity, for example. We talked about that already a little bit, like clear and inspiring goal works as a compass is the idea. Um, I'd say I'd say in the end, um, uh, this accelerating accelerating decisions is one of the, you know, the second one in the model, and I think is a super important one. Um, very often we, you know, we're paralyzed or, we're, you know, we're, we're thinking through things, we're building scenarios, we're having long-winded discussions about what we're going to do. Um, uh, and, and all and all the time it takes to make a decision, we're doing actually nothing, um, and that's what you see very often. So, so one of the principles you could use is to make decisions safe to try, right? Instead of um, trying to make it perfect, perfect, think of what is one smaller decision we can actually take, um, and also then test it out. I mean, we have to acknowledge that many often, very often, the decisions we're making 
uh, are never final. We can, you know, reverse the decision or we can adjust the decision. But very often we, you know, we handle all decisions as if this is a thing we're deciding only once and, you know, it's going to be true forever. Um, so making decisions more as experiments and, and, you know, experimentation and adding that, um, going more for, you know, progress over perfection is, is in the end something that shakes loose organizations a whole lot. Yeah, yeah for me it would be the third. Uh, so in, in, in the thing with the F, focus the clarity, the A, accelerate decisions. But the third one is S, and it's for simplify. And, and, and to me, I think most organizations I've visited that have problems or they have challenges, most of the time it's because they have made stuff too complex. Just recently I, I read a quote, I'm not sure where it came from, but it's like a, a complex system has always started as a working simple system and then evolved to become complex. Mm-hmm. If you design a system as complex, it will not work. No. Uh, so so and I think... Is that there's something we can do to organizations to really help them get faster to come come back into the simple mode? So things like simple questions like does it make the car go faster, or uh, if we could change only one thing, what would it be? Or if we would get say ten uh, percent uh, of the time, how could we solve it? So it's always the simple things that will help you help you out. And for, for so for me, the, the looking at the model is is maybe also because it's it's. It's more part of me personally. I'm a simple guy. Um, it's, it's the simplify is something that really resonates with me uh, very well. Yeah. Because in many cases, the, the solution is not in the dead-end street where the companies go. Hey, they make stuff complex. They're in a the dead-end street. The solution is not at the end of the dead-end street. The conclusion, conclusion is that the, the solution is uh, one kilometer before or a year before when they made the wrong turn. Start to make it too complex, yeah. Mm. So yeah, you don't know it at the time. Eh? So that's, it's not, yeah, you, a, it's not bad. Like a, yeah, you don't know it. Yeah. But once you find out you can't solve it anymore, stop looking for the solution over there because if it would be there, you would have found it. Yeah. So you have to find somewhere else. Eh? You're like the drunk man under the, 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 the light post looking for his keys. And they ask, you know, where did you lose them? In the dark alley? Yeah, well, don't you, why don't you search there? It's so dark over there and here is lighter. And that's what I often see in organization. If you then start to simplify things, it becomes so clear where the solution is. Yeah, and, and how this shows up in organizations is, you know, the, the ever-growing set of policies and rules and procedures that are often put in place when there's mm-hmm. an exception or yeah. some, something goes wrong and we have to make sure it never happens again. Well, put in a policy. Um, so recently I, I read an article about um, one of the leaders at uh, a GE in the, in the US uh, who was trying to simplify, you know, and also speed up the organization. And she, she started talking to HR about the, the dress code policy. And um, this was a 10-page document, right? Okay. What skirts you cannot wear, what words you cannot put on a T-shirt, in what situation should you wear, whatever. And it was pretty bad. I mean, it was, it was a, a big policy. People had to take like a half an hour to read it and try to understand what is appropriate to bring as a, uh, you know, how to dress at work. And she proposed to change this rule to two words, dress appropriately. And this created all sorts of resistance in the organization, especially the policymakers said, no, we can never do that because we have to tell customer, we have to tell our employees that for, you know, if, 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 if somebody from regulating body comes in or if there's a, an important meeting with our stakeholders, it has to be clear what is appropriate or not. And then she said, well, if we cannot even trust our people to make a decision about what dress to wear. appropriately, <laughs> what to wear, what to wear <laughs> and if they cannot figure out, they make all the decisions exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so that was the kind of the the wake up moment for a lot of leaders. Um, and um, and then you know she started, started. There's more to that uh, um, article where she started talking to one of the leaders that kind of said it was impossible. 
And, you know, um, it's all about making things more simple and make sure people, you know, people's minds and brains are actually activated to, to figure out what they think is right. And usually that works out fine with less rules. Yeah, and I think it's based on something that we would like to control the future mm -hmm. as humans. So mm -hmm. then we start to put all kinds of details for some possible future that may occur. But the more rules, the more details you put there, you will still end somewhere where you didn't think of. Mm. And if there is no rule, or the only one just use your brain, it will help you to make the proper decision. But if there's 20 other rules that are not made for that situation, you get uncertain, you know, because you, you violate A or dot B and stuff like that. So I think for the simplify, you know, if you stay close to principles, and the best one is use your brains, I think many mm. cases the outcomes are much better than when you start to... Yeah, have a ten-page uh, uh, what's it called code. for dress code? Yeah. Dress code documents. Yeah, but just for other times. Eh? I mean, you know, we we shouldn't shouldn't ban or 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 say negative about when they made this 10, 20 years ago. It probably had a reason, and it was a good reason because mm. those times these people were not stupid either. So forgiven for the time and for the for the needs and the use they came up with this policy, but now we're 10, 15 years later, the need is gone, but why? Why don't we kill the policy? Why don't we have in organizations the rule, if we add a policy, we'll kill two as well. Mm. Okay, at least kill one. Kill one. Fine. Yeah. If you want to add a policy, we, we delete at least one. Yeah. Just like governments. If we add a law, that's fine. What is the law we will remove? And maybe we'll, let's remove two, because then we end up with less rules after yeah. a while. And that could be a principle you could use when you need to add something. Yeah, from the simplification mm -hmm. part of it, if you add something, delete something as well. And probably it's better to delete more than that you add. And also, I mean, given that this is also uh, a lot of IT engineers listen to this, um, you know, in IT there's this concept of technical debt, right? Mm -hmm. You have, you know, you know, you have code that, that is maybe unused or is too complicated mm -hmm. and we have to get rid of it over time. And otherwise it becomes worse. Um, and it's about paying off that debt is an investment. I think with organizations you have a similar concept which is organizational debt, True. Yeah. right? So it's it's very similar to that, right? If If we... If we cannot, you know, continuously make it simpler, then it will continuously make will become more complex uh, after at times. Um, and there's companies out there that that organize a prize, uh, an internal competition for who can come up with the best rule to kill uh, and provide a simpler alternative for. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe maybe that's an idea, right? Activate your people to start looking for things that could be reinvented, made more simpler, and uh, and and you know that will also lead to speed in the end. You know, one thing that can really help is something we do with engineers. We can you can use for every organization is what what we call the the Boy Scout Boy rule. Scout rule. Mm, yeah. yeah, and if you don't if you've never heard about it, Boy Scout rule is very simple. If Boy Scouts camp in the forest, the rule is leave the place better than it was when you arrived. So meaning when you've camped there and you go there, it's cleaner than it was before. And you can do this, let's say, in the code, but you can also do it in your organization. You can yeah. do it in the procedures. If there's something worth to change somewhere else. Don't only change it to the good, also make sure you, you get the rubbish out. Mm. So Boy, Boy Scouts rule is something that can, you can use also for organizational mm. depth. And it's, it's really okay. practical. And the stuff that you change a lot will be cleaner faster. And the yeah. stuff that you don't use a lot or you don't change a lot, don't can't clean. But apparently it's not needed because else you would do something about mm. it. Yeah. True. True. And the organizational depth also sometimes uh, stems from people uh, refraining from making decisions. Right. And if you make more decisions and make faster decisions, that's, you also get a, a cleaner organization with less organizational depth. I, right. I, I really like to think about it as well. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah, but also we, we, we tend to make policies for all customers. 
or for all transactions or for all departments. And when you must start to make policies or rules for everybody, of course, there are many exceptions. You need to prepare them. But the more we get focused to self-organizing teams with less customers, less products, less services, mm-hmm. the lesser rules they need, because in many cases, it's 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 not applicable to them. It's not relevant. So the, the, the rules are much more principle-based for mm-hmm. the situation at hand, and then you don't need books. So in that sense, I think that the, the self-organizing teams that have a smaller scope and a simpler mission... Mm-hmm also will change things to the good because you don't need the big rules for everybody. You only need the rules to the occasion. So there's a lot of uh, room to to gain from uh, make it uh, more simple and mm. simplified. Th- th- yeah. Th- yeah, and sp- that's the thing about speed. Yeah. If you want to go really fast, not 5%, 10%, but you want to, let's say, go 20 times as fast, you will really critical look critical at the stuff that makes you slow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are already running out of time, so uh, oh, yeah, let's, let's go to the closing round. Um, yeah, you already shared your your ideas about the and the part of the model which you think is the is the important part uh, to to realize as a company. What's what's your other most important takeaway for us? What can you share with the listeners? Yeah, so yeah, what, one thing one thing I'd like to ask to any kind of team uh, to get this process of improvement uh, going is the question. What is holding you back from doing the best work of your lives, right? And this is a very powerful question. You can basically ask it everyone, um, and and they'll come up with something that is bothering them at the, in that specific moment. And in the end, is building a practice or building a muscle around continuously going back to that question and solving smaller things or small things that are in their way will in the end kind of activate everyone to act as this kind of continuous improvement uh, agent. So I think that is a a good question to to ask. You know, um, uh, at every level of the organization. Yeah, yeah. For, for me, I think that the, the biggest takeaway I would like to give is that we should stop being afraid of speed. Uh, probably comes from the Dutch. Eh? When we were a kid, we already learned that uh, the hastige spoed is uh, zelden goed. Uh, the hasty, fast one is uh, never, never right or something. I'm not sure what it, it translates <laughs> to in English. Um, but I think it's the other way around. And if, if looking at Formula One, what we did for the book has, has, has taught us is that the, the real improvements lie in, in the area where you don't feel comfortable anymore. And that's why the, the opening quote in the book is from Mario Andretti. He says, if you have the feeling that everything is under control, yeah. you're <laughs> just not going fast enough. Yeah. And I think if there's one takeaway, is that we in organization start worrying about speed and not being afraid of it anymore because we will learn that at, at, at the border, at the increase of the speed, that's where the discoveries lie and that's where the new inventions lie. Mm. I think it's, it's, it, we, we will gain traction and we will find and we will discover stuff we never thought we would discover before. Don't stop being afraid of speed. Wow. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jurian and uh, Rini, for sharing your uh, your story with us. Uh, I think it gave uh, some insight in, in the book, but of course, yeah, go read yourself, I would say. Um, also, this talk already gave some some insights again and, and realizations that yeah, there's way more to gain uh, just by having yeah, kind of a few of these simple uh, or, yeah, is it really simple? But that, that's something to figure out yourself. But mm-hmm. simple questions in the back of your head. Yeah, so. and, and and Jurian, you know, translates these Formula One lessons to practice on a daily basis. So even if you want to be inspired, you can hire him in your company for your event, and then he will clarify how these Formula One rules translate to your organization. So it's also a call to action: hire Junior, uh, Jurian <laughs> to, to, to give a talk. Now, now I feel obliged to kind of pitch your your, your workshop. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, I hope you enjoy it as much as we do. 
And maybe, maybe. yeah, till the, till the next book or <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah. Working on it. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like this episode, check some of the others. Subscribe to our feed. Go to Spotify or iTunes. Search for Tech Lab and subscribe. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun. <laughs>